space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Poor woman. With the drums. Oh. I like when the choir comes in. Ooh, that is a laser noise. Maybe it's a door opening noise? Maybe. Maybe it's a sparkler noise? So, would you rather <laughs> listen to that on repeat or the Olympics? Uh, fanfare. fanfare by John Williams. Oh my goodness, that's an impossible decision. I think I'm more of a Star Trek person than an Olympics person. I think you, I think you are too. Thank you for agreeing. I have. Um, what about you? Well, I have listened to the Olympics fanfare on repeat. So yes. So you want to switch to Star Trek? No. Come with us. That's what Kirk said. Drum sound um okay so as you may have guessed we are gonna do our intro now <laughs> <laughs> welcome to bell with our friends definitely not the first podcast featuring a discussion of pop culture and why we think you should like what we like or at least consider it in a new light you should trust us because we're librarians i'm anna and i'm aline and every couple of weeks we get together Sometimes without anyone else, so you're forced to suffer through just us and chat about a couple of pop culture 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 topics, what we think, and how we feel, and we'll end the show with our current obsessions. Today we're going to talk about Star, Star Wars. Trek. Ah! <laughs> I, I actually don't subscribe to the Star Trek versus Star Wars false dichotomy. I like them both. I don't think you have to pick one. <laughs> if you like science fiction, it's possible that you might like both of them. It seems reasonable. So, I'm one of those. I like both of them. But I don't think, well, we can get into this shortly, but I'm not sure either of us are super fans. I definitely can quote more of the Star Wars movies, but there are also fewer of them. I have seen all of all of them. Even Star Trek colon nemesis yeah i've seen all I, when i was doing my research to prepare for this episode i realized that i have seen all three six nine twelve thirteen star trek films okay so that's one that's my first question when we are talking about star trek you are thinking star trek movies no no i was thinking okay. about the tv shows as well i've seen almost all of the next generation deep space nine and voyager i didn't see any of enterprise and i think that i've seen all of the original series and most of the animated series. Really? Yeah, and but this is stuff that was in my childhood. It's not stuff that I have revisited as an adult or as a super fan. It's stuff that I was present for at the cultural interval. <laughs> not not live, the original television series. I was too young for that. But the animated series was in syndication when I was a tiny Aline. I didn't even know there was an animated series. The original cast voiced right. it. I was doing research and I was like, well, that's interesting. Super interesting. Uh, yeah. So, I am obviously not as much of a 
super fan or even like consistent fan as you, I when I was a kid, I checked out or borrowed movies from the video store and I remember borrowing the first Star Trek movie approximately once, perhaps twice, <laughs> borrowing and watching the second, third, and fourth Star Trek movies many times, watching maybe the fifth and sixth one a few times, and then for some reason going to the premiere of Star Trek Generations and getting a poster. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> it may be in the garage. Oh my gosh, we are having that one framed. I um I saw Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan at the drive-in movie theater oh. the year it opened. I don't know if I had seen the motion picture before then, because that was right around the cusp of people getting VCRs, and we didn't get Ask one your parents. first. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Ask your parents what a VCR is. Um, so I didn't, but then I saw the rest of them in the movie theater, all Excellent. of them, up to and including Star Trek Beyond, which we saw not too long ago. So before you, before you yeah. continue, I have, yeah. to, I have to say, in terms of the show, on the television show, I have never watched an entire episode of Next Generation. I have never seen any of Deep Space Nine except, like, when I flipped past it when it was on. I watched Voyager for Captain Janeway. <laughs> yes, I wrote down, oh, Janeway, my Janeway, next to Voyager on I, my list. And so then, and I think it was on UPN or something, but I, so I caught it in reruns on, on... Dr. Crusher presaged Janeway. Well, I mean, I've seen pictures of her, I'm sure that... I would like her as well. I'm not anti-Next Generation. I just didn't catch it for whatever reason. I was probably watching Melrose Place instead. Did you know what years it was? I didn't write down the, the um, year I have span. I the list up here. So here you go. Chronologically. The Next Generation started in 1987 and Deep Space Nine started in 93. So I think there was a little overlap. So the Next Generation was... Um, when I was in high school and college, I think I watched most of it in syndication. And then a Voyager was when I was a grown-up lady and had a job. So, so Next I must Generation have just started when that. I was 10. And not that I couldn't have watched it, but it was not something that that my family watched. We just never watched Star Trek. And I don't, if, if my mom were around, I'd ask her. Because I feel like she might have liked original, but I don't, I don't know. Um, and so then after, for some reason, I started watching Enterprise when it was on. I don't know why. That's weird. Was it because of Quantum Leap? No, I didn't really watch Quantum Leap either. <laughs> it has a theme song that rivals Fireflies. Really? We're going to have to add that to the musical obsessions. No, no, I don't think No, we, I think I'll be, I'll be, think think I'll be obsessed with it in absentia. And so I have seen here and there parts or all of... Um, First Contact and Insurrection and Nemesis, none of which were, as I recall, particularly good movies. So that brings us to the reboot movies, which we have recently rewatched all of, and which I think are pretty good overall. 
I loved them. The first reboot I went to see probably opening weekend in a theater with a group of like 10 friends and we were sitting there and we were all of the same generation. But did you get a poster? I did not get a poster. We were all like super excited and when the credits started to roll we just sat there with our mouths agape and watched through all of the credits and then we turned to each other and were more than one of us, more than me, were like, can we stay and watch it again? Because it was just fun. It, it was what fun. we wanted. It what I'm not I am the kind of fan who gleefully misunderstands canon to the horror of super fans. I loved every minute of it and I do not care what they did wrong. I had fun. No, I don't care about it. And I liked how they make uh how they were like, We're gonna have a explicit relationship between Spock and Uhura. That was nice. Yeah. The only I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are many criticisms of the film, but or the, the the new films, but my main one is that I don't really like action picture destruction stuff, and so especially the second one where they're like crashing into the planet and things are blowing up and planes are like skidding, and that's never really been my thing. You remind me when you say that of our conversation about New Kirk and fist fights. We are in this 500 years in the future world where you have phasers and you have all of these different things going on, and yet he gets in these lip-splitting, nose-flattening, knuckle-breaking fist fights that seem really unnecessary. I'm all about beating up bad guys, but not like fists meeting flesh, um, which also reminds me of an Eddie Izzard bit where he's talking about phasers. You've got this technology, and all you have is stun and kill, and there ought to be limp and cough. And he goes through this whole bit where he's talking about phaser technology, and I'd really like to explore that. Okay. Let me see. That's the kind of technology we need in our lives. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, okay, so do you have a favorite captain? You can, for the purpose of this, you can count young Kirk separate from old Kirk if you want. No, thank you for that option. I have, you know, my politics will get involved here, where, I mean, I love Picard, but I am hidebound to say that Janeway's my favorite captain because she's the lady of the gang. I kind of like the Borg queen. Does she count? I guess she's the captain of her particular crew. (laughs) I, so it would, it's like a really close thing because of Captain Janeway being a strong woman leader and Picard being Picard. I, it blows my mind that you haven't seen The Next Generation because that's just a thing. Because I think I was watching it from 1987 to 1995 or whenever it was. And that was from age 16 to 23 or something. That's some formative years. Picard that explains a lot dude, about you. Doesn't it? <laughs> yes. T. Earl Grey. Hot. You don't like Earl Grey. I don't. <laughs> Which is really interesting. It means that I am my own woman. That's true. You're not just a little clone of Picard. Good job. You should follow Picard management tips on Twitter if you don't already. I don't. How did you know? It's great. <laughs> I am. Um, I'm wondering. I. I mean, I have to say, Captain Janeway. Also, I. I 
would like to see Deep Space Nine because I've heard great things about it. Oh, Cisco's amazing. I feel like um, it's it would be a ginormous time commitment for us to be like, and we're going to sit down and watch all of the next generation. I think we should put them on the list regardless of the time commitment. All right, all right. Let me see. I've got... Here we go. Make it so, number one. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Are you okay? No. I've got one more. I'm only in the mood for good news today, Ambassador. <laughs> you can tell when she talks why she was in a one-woman play playing Katherine Hepburn. <laughs> Yes, the voice, the, yes, the, um, diction. There are things about the movies that are done in the TV series as well. Every now and then you'll be watching an old episode of something and you'll have a, hey, it's that guy moment. And all of the movies have that too. Like we watched Wrath of Khan the other night and it was like, oh, there, it's like Kirstie Alley's first big role. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the latest one, Star Trek Beyond, is that the one? Mm-hmm. And, um, I felt like, I'm trying to, rem- I'm trying to remember all my deep and interesting thoughts that I had after we watched this movie. I don't suppose I told them to you, and you can remind me. I like the fact that, as far as I could tell, the alien woman that became their ally did not seem to have a romantic relationship developing with anyone and most particularly not with Kirk yes yeah and uh, I don't I don't know how we feel about our spoiler alerts but there is a thing at the very end of it that just gave me heart for the franchise as a whole (laughs) and so I appreciated that I appreciated that there was a battle of Yorktown I appreciated that the battle of Yorktown we got to have a like stranded on a planet sort of segment um, where, like, we're on a planet and we've crashed and our ship is totaled and now what are we going to do? Kind of, that felt very true to the franchise. Do they have a red shirt? Uh, Someone is wearing one, but I don't think anyone... Well, the woman that got the um, infernal device tested on her. Right. I guess, could count as our red shirt. The thing I don't like, which is the same thing that happened in the latest X-Men movie, is that Idris Elba is the villain, but he has been transformed beyond recognition. And so, like uh, Oscar Isaac was, so that you can not even tell it's Idris Elba. (laughs) You can tell by his voice. I know. Yes, stop hiring amazing, striking actors and then putting them in giant piles of plastic. Please and thank you, Hollywood. Love us. Right, exactly. You might as well be doing, like, motion capture animated villains in that case. Which they might be doing. They might be hiring these folks for one scene and a week of voiceover and doing the rest of it that way. But there's evidence in the films of these awesome actors being subjected to these makeup and gear situations. So on the way home, I was thinking, I'm ready for a Star Trek where, and and I feel like Star Trek has done a better job than Star Wars 
until recently, let's say, of like having an inclusive cast where, you know, your original cast, you had Sulu and you had Uhura and you had very, I mean, like if you, we were watching Wrath of Khan and you had, you saw crew members of various crews and they were men and they were women and they weren't all white and you were like, wow, way to go. This is from 30 years ago. 50. Well, I was talking about the Wrath of Khan. Oh, the movie. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> but, um, I think... Um, I've heard a rumor of the new, like, web series, CBS only, whatever it, whatever the new series is going to be. Star Trek Discovery, coming in 2017. Thank you. Of gay character, that'll be interesting. I know they have had one-off episodes here and there. Like you saw that on Twitter, yeah. Like your, your special, your after-school special, where we talk about gayness, and then we move on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and certainly, we have talked about fan fiction before, and the fact that Kirk Spock fan fiction is is one of the like the grand parent of many fan fictions. And I myself have read some Star Trek fan fiction with Janeway and Seven of Nine. Yeah, why are you looking at me that way? Right, I have to edit all of this out. <laughs> Yeah. So, Star Trek is really a bit of fertile ground for fan fiction. Why are you looking at me that way? Ah, Star Trek has really been a helpful blank canvas for fan fiction writers. Because there have been a lot of missions in space where people are trapped together. And so, naturally, everyone's going to pair off, right? No, not necessarily. But yeah, it does happen. I like the possibilities of the holodecks myself. Right, right. Well, that's classic holodeck fiction. It happens on the show. Right. Sure does. But anyway, it would be great if we just had a gay character, or ten, or if we had a crew that was, I don't know, 50% ladies, or maybe 60% ladies. What would that be like? Well, it would get so much stuff done that the five-year mission would be over in three. <clears throat> I'm not capable of that emotion. Oh, Spock. <laughs> yes, you are. All right, so um, just quickly, do you have, other than captains, because it's not all about captains, tell me your three favorite characters across the movies and TV. So I loved Spock. As a small Aline, I thought that Spock was awesome. There was no other Star Trek character for me than Spock. Cool and remote? Yeah, I like cool. I like cool and remote. This is not a surprise to anyone. Next Generation, Picard is pretty cool and remote. You know, Data has the Spock foil thing going on, which I didn't like as much. I... The Riker-Troy thing made me cranky, so it's I'm, I'm looking at my list of everything. Deep Space Nine, I loved Avery Brooks, the Captain um, Sisko, because he had played Hawk in Spencer for Hire, the TV adaptation of Robert B. Parker novels, also starring Robert Urich. But I was obsessed with Kira and Bashir yep. somehow. I don't know why. Uh, I'm... I would have to, like, look at the dates and try to tell you about my development <laughs> during that <laughs> interval. Where were you in your life right then? Yeah, and um, 
I loved Voyager. I had a huge sick thing for Chakotay. And, I know. <laughs> and but the Janeway dynamic and the lady leader and um there was there's someone else on Voyager that I like. Did you like um the engineering Klingon lady? Did you like I know you like Neelix the cook. No, is that the one where <laughs> she's got like the the blonde guy Paris and um when was Harry Kim? He was in Voyager. Okay, so I liked the two of them. There's some fic for you. I'm sure there is. And then in the movies, I was trying to find briefer descriptions than the eight-paragraph synopses on Wikipedia. Because I was just trying to figure out, this is Khan. I mean, I remember Khan because it has the worm in the ears. Right. And um, I don't remember the search for Spock at all, even though I read the entire synopsis. <laughs> but then, you know, there's the one with the whales and the search for God. And this one has the Vulcan Kim Cattrall and the Klingon Christopher Plummer. That is the undiscovered country. And Generations is total crossover with everybody and Malcolm McDowell, which is very exciting. Insurrection. I loved Insurrection because I think it came out when I was living in New York. Or maybe it didn't. And it had F. Murray Abraham and Donna Murphy whose careers were more largely on the stage than in film and TV. So, yeah, 1998. Thank you for looking at that. So that was something that... It was like my little New York Star Trek movie. <laughs> Which sounds kind of weird. So you're saying you have approximately 23 favorite people. I have favorite things about all Everything. of them. Everything? Okay. Because So the, the revelation <laughs> of this episode is that you're a super... Star Trek nerd, not in the way that you like collect figures or whatever, but that you can look and be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I'm the kind of fan who's like, oh yeah, I can remember that. I don't have any Star Trek paraphernalia at all. Nope. And I, think I, I might have more than you. Think do. I need some. Well, clearly. Upon reflection, I think I may. Someone may have left a communicator <laughs> pin in the library. And after it was in the Lost and Found for three months, one of my staff gave it to me, and that might be the only thing I have. <laughs> um, I have some <clears throat> graphic novels, I want to say. Oh, I meant to disclaim at the very beginning of this episode that we were not going to embark upon the print universe. Yes. I mean, you definitely acknowledge the graphic very... novels that you own, but uh, any library people, which many of us out are, know that there are innumerable books, books. mass market, and hardcover, you know what I discovered? I was looking, series. I was doing research for my book list list of space operas written by women. Yes, and, thank you. Um, so I'm going through this list of like all science fiction authors. And there were so many Star Trek books written by female authors. I was like, this is great. And it makes perfect sense. That's good to know. And But I've not read any Star Trek books. I do buy them for the library, and they still circulate and often go missing. <laughs> yeah. I used to buy them all the time and thought they were... And they circulated. They were a part of the paperback collection that circulated really, really well when I was buying them. And I appreciate that they are there because of stories being awesome across formats. Yeah. But I don't, I haven't read any of them either. 
And I was, when I, when I started researching for this episode, I was honestly surprised at how comprehensive my consumption of Star Trek had been. And I should probably well, it clean it up to, a little. Well, it seems to me that it's a clear sign that we should probably try to watch the new series when it comes out. Yeah, we should give it a go. That makes sense. This is not an ad. For the new series. No, it's not an ad for the new series or the movies, but we enjoyed them and we had fun. I think that it's interesting that... I was thinking about this when I said something just the other day. Where were we when you said... I said something about Batman, and I said Stan Lee, and you were like, No! (laughs) And it made me laugh, and I thought about my gleeful ignorance in whatever fan universes there are. And sometimes I will terrorize a fellow moviegoer, hi Rick, by saying, is that the Silver Surfer? In the wrong place. This is why we had to explain the definition of trolling to little G. It's your fault. Yes, because I like to troll. But I was I was thinking about, we've talked, we haven't talked about this. Well, Twitter has talked about it, and the universe has talked about Um, not being enough of a geek or not being enough of a fan or having relative fandom uh, credibility or this, that, or the other thing. And our belief is if you have watched or read something and you like it, then you qualify as a fan. Yeah. And there are arenas where that is not the case. And I would never qualify to go to a convention but the 50th anniversary Star Trek convention was this summer. Right. And I mean, a cool couple pictures. of people yeah. that we know on the internet were there. And we were both like, oh, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And it would have never occurred to me. I kind of knew. I think I had like read something that it was coming up. But I remember something that I really, really liked about the last movie, which is when they're on shore leave and Sulu comes off. The ship, and there's his husband and his child waiting for him. Yes, we we did like that <clears throat> when they were in Yorktown. Yeah, because that was the name of the of the station station where they Space were. Station. Yes, yes. Sulu's husband was adorable, very nice, and their child was adorable. And it yes, it was a it was a favorite thing for sure. So I think we're we're pretty pro Star Trek here. Totally pro Star Trek. Um. Feel free to tell me uh, what Next Generation episodes I should definitely watch. Please help us <laughs> determine the Next Generation episodes that I could sort of pepper Helga Grace's knowledge with. I would like assistance with that. I would also be interested in knowing what Enterprise episodes I should try since I haven't had any of it. And um, I'm not going to just listen to her. <laughs> Well, I can't remember any individual episode of Enterprise. And we have all of the movies, so we are going to be revisiting them. Yes, over we're in the middle time. of Wrath of Khan right now, which I have to say, compared to the reboots, is more slowly suspenseful. <laughs> she had to wake me up twice before she gave up and said that we were going to stop the movie. Um, so I have uh, one more note, which is that. Um, the Extra Hot Great podcast recently did a fantasy draft of Star Trek characters, um, similar to their Law and Order draft that they did a couple months ago. 
where they just did it like a baseball draft and they each took different characters to fill different spots and it was really fun to listen to. So we will link to that in the show notes. I'm going to play this last one. I feel like we've all learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> wow, that's very dramatic, flesh, tinkly. I totally forgot to talk about catchphrases that I really love and get wrong all the time, like, oh. I'm a doctor, Jim, not a physician. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should end on that note. <laughs> that seems better. All right, so our second topic today is one that I, um, it's it's almost like Eileen explains straight people, only it's Eileen explains something else. <laughs> we haven't covered Eileen's explains straight people in a while. Right. Um, so you may, if you're on Twitter, that's the sound of Eileen's bullet journal being flipped in my face. If you're on Twitter or on the internet at all, or on Facebook, which doesn't count as the internet somehow, <laughs> um, you might have heard about bullet journaling, and if you're like me, you're like, okay, what is happening? And so um, I have a series of questions to ask you. I will endeavor Number to answer is, them. what is a bullet journal? A bullet journal is a method of planning and record keeping and journaling that has taken the world by storm. That doesn't sound good. Is it taking over our lives? No, it's not taking Are over our lives. Are we going to have to pay taxes to it? No, it's not. We're not going to have to pay taxes to it. One, what it. one of the things that it does that makes it work better than your digital calendar and your wall calendar and this, that, and the other thing is that it provides you with a structure for having all of your things in one place. Your work to-do list, your home to-do list, your school to-do list, your long-term projects, your things that you need to do every day, your things that you need to do once a week, once a month, um, your daily affirmations, your daily gratitude, and your your diary. It serves as a diary as well. There are a lot of ways you can embark upon it, but there are um, there are as many bullet journals as there are people. Oh my gosh, that's so deep. My question now is that if you if so if you have everything in this journal that you need to survive or organize yourself, you must need to wear cargo pants or shorts in order to always keep it close to your person because if you lose it then what happens so you will not get me to advocate cargo pockets in a public forum anna there is evidence that you own multiple cargo items is it because there's a suspicious correlation between your acquisition of cargo things and your commencement of bullet journaling there is no correlation. <laughs> I no, because I also have seven million bags and I always have one with me and it conveniently fits my bullet journal. Now, one of the keys is that your bullet journal not be so big that you can't carry it with you everywhere, that it doesn't fit in your purse as opposed to only in your backpack or your messenger bag. We call it a pocketbook around here. <laughs> Handbag. So, okay, I think this is important to clarify for people. 
Is there, are there any rules about bullet journaling? Like, do you have to have bullets? There are all kinds of rules and you should only apply the ones that apply to you. I was relatively late to this bullet journal game. You can, um, consult our bellwether friend and, and two bossy dame, Sophie. She's been doing it for a couple of years now, I think. I was relatively late because every time, and I am a huge planner person. I, you know, I want a Philofax. I want a planner. I'm going to buy a calendar every year, whether I write it in or not. I use a Google calendar because I like to be able to like update things and have it in my phone all the time. And I, every time I saw bullet journaling is the new regime for the universe and it'll make your life wonderful. I would look at an article and I'd be like, oh my God, I couldn't possibly because there's all these beautiful handwriting and the curly cues and drawing flowers around a calendar and doing all this stuff. And it took a long time. And, but I finally clicked on an article one day that I will link to in the show notes. That was something like, what the hell is a bullet journal and how do I get started? Yeah. And it talked about the things that it does. And it said, step by step, here is how you start a bullet journal. And I said, okay, I'm going to give it a go. And I got out a blank book freebie that I had gotten at a conference. Thanks, Biblioteca. And I just started with what it said. It said, make your first couple of pages an index and then make your next couple of pages long-term future planning and then start with a calendar. And I put in some to-do lists. And if you have an index, you can find the stuff that you wrote no matter what page you wrote it on. And I just started working my way through it. I started on June 2nd. I um, looked at it. I've looked at a few articles. And one of the ones that I clicked on was like 23 bullet journal ideas that will blow your mind or whatever. Mm -hmm. And fully half of them were accessories that you could purchase. Such as little bookmarks that told you where you were, and tape that had the days of the week, and little stamping pens. And I am not immune to the um, lure of accessories, but I'm also wary of something which has so many what seem like barriers to entry, like you should have washi tape, or it's like, it seems like it would appeal to people who are the same people that decide to take up a sport or yoga or something so that they can get all of the accessories that go with yoga, but then they never actually go to yoga. This is a very good thing to be wary of. I have a long-standing personal policy of not allowing myself to invest in a hobby before I have demonstrated my commitment to it. I spent couple of years taking three or four yoga classes a week in ratty old sweatpants and oversized t-shirts. And then I was like, it's going to be great when I can bend over and my shirt doesn't fall off over my head when I do it. I, and I got like, I see, I mean, I started wearing just tank tops to yoga instead of um, wearing a big old ratty t-shirt. I agree with you about all of the washi tape and all of the colored pens and, you know, you've got to get this particular notebook and you've got to do yeah, this, that, and the, the other like, thing. It seems to me what you're saying is that you can take any notebook and you can just get started. And then if it's something that works for you, like if you're a kind of person that likes to write down something in order to be able to remember that you need to do it, mm -hmm. 
then it might be good. It's really great for me because I'm a compulsive list maker and I have a terrible monkey mind that won't let go of anything. Right. So when I, the first time I wake up in the morning, whether it's at three or four or six, that is it Notice for me. it's not any later. <laughs> it's never any later. I, and the fact that I have all of these lists already written down in this book means that I am not obsessing over the fact that I need to remember to give the cats fresh water and I need to remember to give the cats food and I need to remember to do this, that, and the other thing because I have it all written down and I can let that stuff go and possibly go back to sleep. Like I said, I used a conference giveaway notebook. I have a vast collection of blank books accrued over years of therapeutic shopping, so I never ever need to buy a book to bullet journal in. I also have seven million pens in every color, including and beyond the rainbow. For people, I mean, for people like you and me who have these vast resources, it seems good because you actually get a chance to use your book or, um, as we do here, your sticker collection that mm -hmm. has just been building up over time and you have all these cool stickers, but you're saving them for something? What are you saving them for? Yes. If you put them in, in something like this that you might refer back to someday, especially if you use it like Aline does as like a partial diary, then you'd be like, oh, I love that sticker. Yeah, that was great. There was something about that day that made me feel inclined to stick this uh, alligator wearing sunglasses on this page, and it what it was some it was some kind of breakthrough revelation when I read that one article that said sit down and number the pages in your notebook and at the beginning do this and at the and then next do this and then next do this. It I had a breakthrough that I could do that, and it also provided me with some way to potentially use this vast store of beautiful blank books that I've been buying when they caught my fancy. I started out with a freebie because I didn't want to use that nice lavender leather Italian one that I bought in Rome in 1998. Yeah, I have one of those <laughs> I bought in England in 1998, um, and it's like leather on the outside and it ties together, you know, mm -hmm. and I've always been afraid to like do anything in it because it wouldn't be good enough. Yeah. And I'm like that with everything. And I kept, I kept thinking, I even have like a whole bunch of Moleskinas that I was like, oh, well, maybe if I buy a backup one, then I can leave this one that I love and I'm still going to have a backup and maybe I could write in this one. And I never, never could. So I started giving them away. Well, so um, I think we're endorsing it as something to try if like me, I am someone that has, has gotten planners and needs to have a calendar and needs to make lists, but um, just has 900 pieces of paper or it's partially online and it's partially on a piece of paper at my desk at work, but then I'm at home or whatever. Plus, I enjoy stickers. <laughs> yeah. My work notebook used to have a kind of bullet journal component. I used the Staples Arc system, which is like the Levenger Circus system, and I had sections where I had like notes and I from meetings, but I also had all of my to-do lists, and that still didn't keep me from having a pile of 40 different little slips of scrap paper. And which I would, is something that the librarian 
profession lends itself to. I think so. And I every now and then, I would go through all of those millions of slips of paper, and I would add some things to lists, and I would, like, put them, and then I would recycle the pieces of paper, or I would add them to my notes. And I used to be in meetings with this, um, with this colleague who... He thought it was really charming because his wife did it all the time. And so when I was sitting next to him in a meeting doing this, he was like, Michelle does that too. <laughs> but I really like, I don't put it on slips of paper. I put it straight into my book. I started making a list of things that I need to do tomorrow. And it's already longer than the day is tomorrow. But I have it written down. So if I think of anything else, I can put it on there and maybe do it later in the week. I um, was just thinking about a boss that that um, Mrs. Friday Next and I used to have, who had everything on little square post-its, and he had them laid out on his desk in, in their individual squares. And his desktop was the same, um, like on his computer. He had all of his documents on the desktop. No folders. And so I wonder what something like this would do for him. I don't know if he could handle it. You were talking about people liking to make lists, that it might work for them. I think that there is something, there's something about writing something down that helps you remember it for some thought processes, for some learning styles, however you want to characterize it. Just like when you make the grocery list and you remember to take it with you, but then you remember everything because you wrote it down and you remember to stick it in your pocket. But if you just leave and go to the store without the list, then you can't remember anything. And there's also the tactile experience of paging through and just looking back at last week and seeing what you did and looking back at that. I have this project list at the beginning and that I can look at and say, oh, well, look, I made this project list at the beginning of June and I haven't done any of those things and I get to write them all in my next one. I was hoping you were going to say you could look back on it and be like, I actually did accomplish a lot of stuff and I don't have to berate myself. Thank you for that reminder. I don't berate myself, and I have I am on the way to implementing a in addition to the to do part of the list a have done oh, part of the list because I think that that is very beneficial, especially to those of us who never feel like we get it anything done. Or I have a check in with a friend every week, and we have started talking about the things that we have accomplished during the week rather than what projects we have upcoming. It's a good place to do things. We made a packing list. We were on vacation and we knew we were going to be taking the same vacation a week getaway uh, later in the summer. And so while we were there, we made a list of the things that we wanted to make sure not to forget on our next go. And so I have that list for next time. I am so glad that I can use your organization to fill my future needs. You're welcome. Okay, I have... Here, the Enterprise theme song, which is a classic. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I will see my dream come alive at last. I will touch the sky and the night gonna hold. What? I wish you could see her look of horror at the moment. What's wrong? 
This is a song about faith and being able to do anything. Oh my god. It's awful. So is the Firefly theme song. No, that's not. <laughs> to me, they are the same. I can see that. And I'm sure there are many people that like both of them, and everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and I don't mean to denigrate your taste. Hashtag disclaimer. Right. People don't like the same things, and that's fine. Official Bellwether Friends stance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so tell me, what music are you obsessed with this fortnight? <laughs> I thought you were preparing. There was a new Katy Perry song that I heard that I don't know what it's called, and I don't know what it's about, <laughs> and I can't remember what it is. But I'll find it, and I'll put it I'll on the music obsession list. No, I heard it. So I found myself in the car on my way to work or on my way home from work, having finished all of the audiobooks that were on my phone and being forced into pop radio, WMAS. Okay. And I heard this song that I was repeating lyrics to myself. I was like, don't forget this, because I wanted to go Google it and find it. And I think it's Katy Perry, but I'm not sure. Well, that's a ringing endorsement <laughs> if I ever heard one. What are you obsessed with musically? Well, okay, so I've been listening to this podcast called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Yes, I've listened to it with you. Yes. And um, so that's introduced me to some new music, which I appreciate because my radio listening is fluctuates because mostly I'm listening to podcasts in the car because I've got 1,900 hours. Um, so they talked about this song called Reaper by CN, so that's what I'm currently obsessed with. What about your non-musical slash other obsession? I'm not going to assume it's another musical obsession because you had to work so hard to figure out that one. <laughs> so my non-musical obsession is single malt scotch. Okay. Which I, some of you may know that I have a taste for a fine single malt and appreciate uh, those made in the northwest of Scotland on the islands. And I now can spend an entire year with a bottle of scotch. And so as we come toward the last part of a year, I'm considering what my next bottle will be as a fan of um, those things. I am open to recommendations. Question. Are you planning on hopscotching to another brand? <laughs> so I hope you don't in scotch my the job. last <laughs> place of residence, there was a hopscotch festival, oh, which was beer involve, and whiskey. Did it involve then trying to no, jump on No, it was just foot? the hopscotch festival. So That's you got to taste beers and taste whiskeys. It was pretty cool. I went one year and barely made it home. I may hopscotch to another distillery in the same region. I am unlikely to abandon Scotland entirely. Um, no, not never, at all. Never. I the whiskeys I've had of elsewhere are not if to my you taste. Want, um, if you want Scotch advisory, you can tweet at Surly Spice. I would love to discuss Scotch with you on Twitter. <laughs> um, there was a lady in the liquor store who needed a scotch advisory, and we were there. She had a post-it note. She was supposed to buy her son-in-law a bottle of whiskey, and I think that she was balking at the price of what she had written down. And so I was trying to help her 
by figuring out what he liked if and making sure that she made the right choice. It was a lot of fun. It I think was. I should just go hang out in the whiskey aisle at Table I and Vine. I think Bine. you should, too. But anyway, so if you want to make her happy, you can ask her <laughs> whiskey-related questions. What are you obsessed with? Well, I am obsessed with this book that we got in the mail from Simon & Schuster. Thank you, Simon & Schuster. Right? Yeah, it's a teen book. It is a teen it book. It came in our adult box. It did, and it's an advanced reader's copy. It's coming out in November. November. I would say it is uh, an adult-ish teen book, so it says ages 14 and up, but um, um, I would hesitate. I know they can handle it. Some of them can handle it, some of them can't. Anyway, um, I'm sorry, distracted by the sounds of cat rustling in the background. Cats! Stop it! The book is called The Diabolic. And it's by S.J. Kincaid, and I am so obsessed with it that I was reading it while driving my book truck to the elevator to go down to the desk today at work. I really want to wrap this episode up so I could finish (laughs) reading it, but it basically is a science fiction book. I think it's a standalone and not part of a series, but I would be happy to read more in the series. And the society is one in space where, for whatever reason, religious reason, they've decided that um, it would be wrong of them to learn more about technology or how to keep up their ships and the technology that keeps them alive in space. So they're just assuming that, I don't know, that the machines are going to take care of themselves um, and... I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. The disturbing thing about it is really that you can see this line of thinking, like, well, God doesn't want us to know about this stuff, so, okay, no one is allowed to know about it, even though eventually we're going to die. <laughs> um, and the main character is a is a woman who has been genetically engineered to be a weapon on that is bonded to just one person. And when the person's father runs into trouble because he is trying to uh, understand science, she is called to the emperor's court as a hostage, and they send her genetically engineered weapon instead to pose as her, to try and keep her safe. And so she has been told, her name is Nemesis, and she has been told that she is basically not human, and... This is a story of her, like, gradually understanding that even though she's been bred to kill people and um, she thinks she can't feel anything, that she's still human. And political maneuvering and impersonation and people getting the fates they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically right up my alley. I don't know if there's a word for this. Um, Mickelson nip. Or something. (laughs) As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, I need to read that. Yeah, we were unpacking the box, and she snatched up two right away and started reading that one. Um, Before we close, we are recording on today when we found out that the world lost the great Gene Wilder. And we thought about having a Gene Wilder moment as we were recording 
And I don't have anything profound to say about Gene Wilder, who was a brilliant comic and a great man. But I do want you to go to your library or somewhere, I don't know if it's available streaming, and watch Silver Streak, which is the most hilarious suspense ride of your life. It's a Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor comedy that is set on a train, and it is not as well known as some of his work. It's not a Mel Brooks film, and I just want you to consider it, because I'm going to make Anna watch it. It was the Gene Wilder movie of my childhood. I mostly watch Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein. And Young Frankenstein was of my young adulthood. I had friends who loved it, and we rewatched it. And I have seen Blazing Saddles because I love the sheriff guy. I think he's hilarious, and I can't remember his name. So, yes. So go forth and watch ye Gene Wilder movies and appreciate his impact on your life, whether it was as Willy Wonka or um, any of his other brilliances. I keep thinking about Romancing the Stone. Gene Wilder? The Gene Wilder? I know, it's Joan. Joan Wilder. (laughs) But that's good. No, I didn't even make that connection. That will be useful. Will it? Yes. I'm trying to figure out a situation where that will be useful. Well, I'll just know what you're talking about when you do that. Oh, that's true. Okay, I'm Anna, and you can find me online at Helga Grace, H-E-L-G-A-G-R-A-C-E. I'm Aline, and you can find me on Twitter at Surly Spice, S-U-R-L-Y-S-P-I-C-E. And our in and out music was provided by the lovely Julie Jurgens, and we mean her no disrespect when we use Star Trek instead. You can find her on Twitter at Hi Miss Julie, H I M I S S J U L I E. Bye. Testing. I'm going to turn this toward me. Hamana, 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 hamana. Because I don't have <laughs> There we go. That's my girl. <laughs> Do you uh-huh. want to put it over there? Over here? Well, let me put it over here. I need to have it like so. Why? Well, I want it close to my tools here. Oh, right. That tool. <laughs> All right, I'm going to speak normally. Speaking normally, speak normally, you speak normally. I'm going to speak normally, too. I can try to speak normally and not project so much. Why not? Just talk normally. That's not normal. Right, that was my yoga teacher voice. Right, sorry. Speak normally. There we go. Okay.